you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. That was a word from God for somebody. Praise God. Praise God. And you know who that somebody is. Oh, yeah. We're bringing to you Brother Blakely from Guy, Arkansas. I remember, I remember about 21 years ago when he went to Guy, Arkansas and uh, started the church there. He's from uh, North Little Rock, Brother Holmes's, and uh, he's been a faithful man. And God, in that little place called Guy, Arkansas, God has really, really blessed this man. Let me tell you, the main, what is success? What is success? One time when I was, I was pastoring, not here in Fresno, but in Fairfield, California, and I was trying to find the will of God and whatever and so forth and so on, Brother J.T. Pugh wrote me a letter. And when he signed that letter, he said, what is success? He said, success is finding the will of God and doing it. And I want to tell you, probably if he had chose, he wouldn't have chose Guy, Arkansas. But it was the will of God. He found it, and he did it by the help of God in Jesus' name. I appreciate this good man. He just lived for God. And stayed with truth. And you say, well, what's great about that? There's too many that's drifting from the faith. And I thank God he's a young man that's come on, that's listened to his elders, and stayed with the old paths. He hadn't had a, a, an attitude of, I know how it's done. Let me show you how it's done. Thank God for Brother Blakely from Guy, Arkansas. Let's worship the Lord as he comes. Come on, let's lift up our hands and give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we just cry out to the Lord just another minute? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Come on, could we ask the Lord for a demonstration of his spirit here today? Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujahs. Thank you, Brother Martin. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here today. For all the kindness, for the gifts, the pocket knife, I will treasure that knife coming from you. Amen. Appreciate the spirit of the Lord that I have felt thus far in this conference. Man, last night, our friend, Brother brother Weeks. Thank you, Brother Weeks, for a clear voice last night. Amen. I'll tell you what, you didn't have to wonder where he stood last night. Amen, amen, amen. Nothing else. We know we're not supposed to wear beards. Amen. Thank God. Thank God somebody's still saying something. Amen. Brother Jones, I'm telling you, the Lord miraculously used you today. The hand of God was on this man as he was preaching today. Amen. Can we just lift up our hands and thank the Lord for the word that we have heard the last two services. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, again. Thank you, Jesus. I'm looking so forward to hearing the word of the Lord. Amen. From these wonderful preachers. Amen. And the services to come. I want to say I'm thankful to have my wife and son and daughter-in-law, my brother and his wife and Brother and Sister Long, a minister from our church. It's ironic that I would be standing here today. Uh, today is our 21st anniversary. 21 years ago tonight, we started the church there in Guy. And God has richly blessed. 
Amen. And all the glory and all the credit goes to him because it's all him. He's done it all. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, I want to I wanna go right into the word of the Lord. I don't want to take too much time. An elderly preacher shared this story with me. He said he had a young evangelist preaching for him and the evangelist was up on Sunday morning and man, he got started and and it was 45 minutes and then it was an hour and then it was an hour and a half. And this brother said, some of my guests, I had a building full of visitors and they just started getting up and filing out. And so he said, man, I knew he'd preached too long. So I went to the back door and I just started shaking their hands as they See, leaving. So finally he got to him and he closed out. And they went to the restaurant after church. This young evangelist got to talking to this old elder and he said, you know, I don't understand these preachers that uses notes. So that just bothers me. He said, you know, if a man would just let God use him, he don't need any notes. And this preacher held up his hand. He said, son, he said, take my advice. He said, get you some notes. He said, well, how come? He said, that way you would know when you're finished. So I promise you I've got some notes today, and I will be time conscious. If you have your Bibles, and you would turn turn with me to 1 Peter, the second chapter, verses 1 through 5. Scripture says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted, the Lord is gracious, that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a lively stone disallowed Indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. Everybody say spiritual house. And holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now, if you would turn with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 26, and verses 7 and 8. That I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. I have loved the habitation of thy house. Do you love what you feel here today? And then one more scripture today. If you would turn with me to the book of Revelation, the second chapter. Amen. I'm sorry, the third chapter. And the first and second verses, the Bible says unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write these things, saith he, that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and are dead. And verse 2 says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. I want to talk to you from this title that the Lord laid on my heart for this meeting, and that is the preservation of spiritual habitat. The preservation of spiritual habitat. Would you lift up your hands one more time? before you're seated and ask the anointing of the Holy Ghost to come down in this place today. God of heaven, I'm asking you today that you would touch us, that you would anoint us, that you would give us a demonstration of your power, 
and your anointing today. God, let me find the channel of your spirit today. Walk therein, God. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. We love you and we thank you for it. God bless you. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you are seated. In the beginning, when God created man, God wanted the very best for his creation. And so the scripture tells us that God planted a garden and everything that man needed to survive and not just to survive, but everything man needed to enjoy was within the boundaries of that garden. I'm glad today to tell you, and I especially want to tell young people here today that everything you need is within the boundaries of the church of the living God. Amen. I said everything that you need. The Bible says that every tree that was pleasant to the eye and that was good for food, God made it available for man. God wanted man to be comfortable. He wanted man to be happy, to have everything that he needed. The scripture tells us that God saw that man was going to be lonely, and so he took from his side a rib, and he made a companion for man. He wanted man to have companionship. Then we read on in the Scripture, and we find where, where God himself would walk in the cool of the day and fellowship with man. What an honor to have God to fellowship with you. Now, as you read the scriptures, the first few scriptures there in Genesis, we find out that with all the blessings and all the, the um, habitat and all of the, the things that God provided for man, there was also a responsibility that was laid on man's shoulders. And God gave man dominion in the garden to carry out that responsibility. In Genesis, the second chapter, the 15th verse, the Bible says, And the Lord took man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Everybody say, keep it. This word keep in the Hebrew means to guard or to protect or to look narrowly or to save or to preserve. Man was the watchman of the habitat that God had provided for him in the garden. In relation to the garden today, when a man is born of the water and of the Spirit, according to the Acts 2.38 message, we enter into a brand new kingdom. We enter into a brand new spiritual habitat, if you please. Amen. I don't know about you, but I thank God for this spiritual habitat that we are enjoying here at West Coast this year. The Bible says in Psalms chapter 91 verse 1 says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I'm glad today to tell you that there is a secret place in God there is a secret spiritual environment or habitat that God has provided for His church. Amen. And it's hid to this world. I said it's hid to this world. This world cannot come to it. They cannot have it unless the Lord bids them to come. In the Scripture we find where Jesus spake in parables to disguise this spiritual habitation from the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The only people, the only people that's going to partake of this spiritual habitation is the seekers and the askers and the knockers. In Matthew 7 and 7, the scripture said, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. This spiritual habitation is only for the hungry. 
It's only for the seekers. It's only for those that want more of God and want more of his presence. It's not for the worldly. It's not for the carnal. Amen. Hallelujah. This secret habitation, amen, is for God's church. And I'm so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for what we experience on a daily basis, amen, in our apostolic services, amen, living our apostolic life. I thank God for this spiritual habitat. Do you know this spiritual habitat is not governed by the natural laws of the flesh, but it's governed by a supernatural power and spirit of God. The night that you received the Holy Ghost, something supernatural happened in your life. The night that you repented of your sins, I'm telling you tonight, there is a supernatural experience in repentance. There is a supernatural experience in baptism in Jesus' name. There's an operation that takes place. Hallelujah. And there's certainly a, a supernatural experience, amen, when a person gets filled with the Holy Ghost. I thought about when your pastor calls for the elders of the church and he obeys the scripture and he he anoints your head with all and and that all is a symbol that, that it's God's spirit doing the work, not man. It's just a reminder to us that when we anoint those souls that it's God's supernatural power that's doing the healing. How many times have you come to church and you needed healing for your body and you just simply obeyed the scripture and walked to the front of the church and the man of God laid hands on your head and something supernatural began to happen in your life? How many times have you needed a miracle? Amen. And the supernatural hand of God touched and moved and opened up doors where there were no doors. Hallelujah. I thought about so many times in my walk with God, there had been times when I needed to hear from God. And I needed something. And I would, I would go to church. And the man of God would get up with a word from the Lord. And something supernatural would start taking place. Something spiritual would start taking place. He didn't know what I'd been thinking. He didn't know what was happening in my life. Amen. But something supernatural began to go forth through the preaching of the Word of God. How many times have you come to church and the pastor or the evangelist, amen, got under the anointing of the supernatural and it began to discern the hearts of people in that congregation? Come on, could you clap your hands and thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for that supernatural power. Oh, isn't it wonderful as the Spirit gets to moving? Amen. And the preacher's done his part and the Spirit begins to move and then those supernatural gifts of the Holy Ghost begin to move. Tongues and interpretation. Amen. The gift of prophecy, different gifts Go forth in the church, brother. I'll tell you what, I thank God for it. Amen. I said, I thank God for it. And then in relation to the garden again, brother, I thank God. I thank God that I had a preacher, brother Martin, that taught me how to walk with God in the cool of the day. You want to know why we're in God 21 years later? Because somebody taught me to get in the presence of God, amen, and get in the Spirit. Well, y'all still believe in prayer around here, don't you? I said, I thank God that we can still get in the presence of God and in the fellowship of the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it. Oh, I'm, I'm an early riser anyway, and I like to go to the church and pray. And the other day I was up there, you know, there's just those special times. And I was praying about this service, 
And I'm telling you, I felt the presence of God come down in that little church just like I'm feeling here tonight. The same God that's here today, amen, was in my church just a few days ago ministering me in the wee hours of the morning. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands. Let's love the Lord together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can you feel him here today? Can you feel his presence here today? Can you feel that liberty of the Holy Ghost here today? You know what I'm feeling here today? I'm feeling like God's wanting to give us a demonstration of his power and his anointing. Do I have any believers in the house today? Do I have anybody here that believes God wants to minister? That God wants to heal? That God wants to set free? That he wants to loose? That he wants to draw us closer to him? Hallelujah. Just like Adam in the garden, God gave Adam that dominion over the garden. Well, guess what? God has given believers dominion in the spirit. I said he'd give us dominion. You know what? I'm afraid sometimes we, we fall shy of that dominion that God has given us. In Mark, the 16th chapter, and the 17th verse, the Bible says, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Do I have any believers in the house? These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. Do you know what? I still believe apostolics have the power to cast out devils. But you know what I'm afraid of sometimes? I'm afraid we've learned just to put a suit and tie and a long dress on them and let them come and dwell among us. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, the devil's got to get out of, of, of God's habitat. He won't share his habitat with the devil. Hallelujah. There needs to be power in the church to cast the devil out. There needs to be a demonstration among God's people that the devil could never come and be comfortable sitting on our pews. Scripture says they shall speak with new tongues. New tongues. I, I got to thinking about that. Brother, I thank God for that fresh tongue, that fresh anointing. You know what? I'm afraid sometimes that, that we, we get the power of the Holy Ghost and we get in the Spirit a few times and God speaks through us and, and we begin to subconsciously memorize a little cliche of, of tongues. And if we're not careful, we'll walk and pray and, and rattle off that cliche and the Spirit of God not be behind it. I'm telling you today, I want the real, genuine, fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost on my tongue. I want the power of God on my tongue talking. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Said they're going to speak with new tongues and they shall take up serpents. Now I'm going to tell you, I believe in taking up serpents. You didn't know you had a snake handler here, did you? But we got a funny way of taking them up in Guy, Arkansas. We chop their heads off with a hoe, and then we take them up and we throw them in the ditch somewhere for the buzzards to eat. Snakes are of the devil. Amen. I can prove it by the scripture. They're of the devil. Said they shall take up serpents, and if, if they drink any deadly thing, I heard of a man one time, he was trying to demonstrate that he could drink deadly poison and it not hurt that that that's crazy god never intended for anybody to purposely drink deadly poison hallelujah the bible said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover do i have anybody that still believes in healing today 
Do I have anybody that believes that God is still a cancer healer? I said God can still heal cancer. You can be seated. My, my brother's here tonight. My brother's here and tell you a little story. My dad, my dad was a plant superintendent of W.R. Grayson Company. He handled pure asbestos and later it killed him. It formed asbestos tumors on, on my daddy's lungs and it ended up killing him. And my brother, as a young man, worked with my dad in that same factory. And a few years later, after my dad had died, we got the sad news right after my brother had received the Holy Ghost that he had, he had tumors forming on his lungs. Amen. And prayer was made. And people started sacrificing. And fasts were, were made. And, and I, I'm telling you, he went back to the doctor, Brother Morton, and they x-rayed that, and there was nothing on those lungs. God had completely healed him. The Bible said, we'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Yeah, you know what it is? It's part of our spiritual habitat. It's part of the blessing that we receive of living for God. But you know what? I want to warn you tonight. All of these blessings that we partake of. Isn't it good to be able to come to church and worship God and feel that breaking of the Spirit and feel that washing and that cleansing. Well, I want to tell you the devil don't want you to have that. That same spirit of the serpent is still alive today. You get to thinking about Adam, it's a sad, sad story. One bad decision stripped him of all, all of the blessings and all of the habitat and all of the dominion and the authority. Hallelujah. God, give us apostolic people that will be watchmen over the spiritual habitat. Give us preachers that will watch over and preserve and protect this spiritual habitat. Because I'm telling you, I'm, I'm burdened today because there are things that are becoming extinct. There are apostolic principles that are dying in churches. And oh God, with the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to be one to help preserve the things that remain. In the early 1900s, in the early 1900s, there was a very popular bird called the whooping crane that began to disappear in north central United States. And by the year of 1941, there were only 16 whooping cranes in the entire United States. Also a popular bird by the name of a passenger pigeon began to disappear, was becoming extinct. And so men began to study, and, and during their research, they found that there were many different fish and wildlife that were becoming extinct. And so in 1966, Congress passed the Endangered Species Preservation Act. And what this done, it, it allowed the Secretary of Interior to make a list of fish and wildlife that were in danger of becoming extinct. It authorized them to spend approximately $15 million a year on habitat for the endangered. On March 1967, the first list was issued. On this list, there were 14 mammals, 36 birds, six reptiles and amphibians, 22 fish for a total of 78 different species that were on the endangered species list. As I was reading this article, something caught my attention. Most of these species that were placed on this list were placed there because of a damaged or a destroyed 
habitat. Their habitat had been disrupted or damaged or destroyed. And it was all caused, when you got to reading about it, it was normally caused by the progress of man. The roads that were built, the highways, the new construction of highways, the new construction of buildings and industry coming in, it was destroying the habitat of these endangered species. Chemicals that were placed on crops, insecticides that was placed on crops were, were damaging the, the habitat and was destroying habitat for some of these animals and birds and different species. I want to say this today. You know, progress is a wonderful thing. I believe that the Bible teaches progression. I believe that the Bible teaches moving forward. I believe the Bible teaches growth and it teaches fruit bearing and and I believe it even teaches expansion. I, I believe in being progressive. We have classes from time to time in our church, self-help classes, trying to teach people to be more progressive and more uh, fruit-bearing in the church. But I'll tell you something about progress. Progress has to be managed. Progress has to be controlled. Because if progress is not controlled, even progress itself can become very damaging. I'm from a little place, it's already been said, called Guy, Arkansas, excluding our downtown part of Guy. Guy is a very beautiful place. We are... Uh, guys on Highway 25, it's right there on the foothills of the Ozark Mountains. From our, our place, we can see the outline of the Ozark Mountains. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. A few years ago, a few years ago, we, um, we found out that there was gas, natural gas, and all, all up under Guy, Arkansas. Man, everybody, everybody was excited, and, and they were selling those mineral rights, and it was really, really being a blessing to our church and to our, our people. Amen. It become a great blessing, it looked like. It looked like it was all progress. But after they had been there for, for a few years, um, things started changing. Even though they come in and they brought industry, they brought jobs, they brought uh, finances, Rental property was good because there were so many workers in the area. It just kind of boosted our economy, and everybody was excited. Man, we've got natural gas and mineral rights. We just felt like we had the hand of God on us and Guy. Until one day, I was laying in the bed, and uh, before I got up that morning, and all of a sudden, my house started shaking, and it felt like a bomb hit my house. And found out, woke up and read, we had had an earthquake in Guy, Arkansas. Now, earthquakes belong in California, not Guy, Arkansas. You know, California, I just kind of raised it. California was just so wicked that one of these days, God just going to let it fall off in the ocean. Hey, man. Read about earthquakes all my life, different parts of the country and world, but never one in Arkansas. But brother, from that day forward, we started having earthquakes just every little bit. I'm telling you, it had my nerves on, on edge. We lost our church fellowship hall because of earthquakes. We had over 1,200 earthquakes in a month. Now, I'm going to tell you, that'll break you down. Come to find out, these gas wells were emptying their waste disposal. They were pumping it back into the ground and it was doing something and causing the ground to shift and it was causing these earthquakes. 
Well, for a long time, our, our, our real estate started going down because nobody wanted to live in Guy, Arkansas because they're having all these earthquakes. You drive down the back roads of Guy, big, gigantic potholes from the water trucks and all the trucks and all the progress that was taking place in Guy. Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap of praise right now. Let me know you're with me out there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All in the name of progress, but after they pulled out, the economy changed and the gas industry pulled out, and they may be back someday, but right now they're gone. But now we've got to contend with the destroyed farms. Once beautiful farms have been just destroyed by these gas pads and and the highways have been destroyed, and a lot of destruction has taken place because of what we viewed as progress. And it truly was progress, but it just was not managed. The gas industry was very abusive with its employees. Some of our men quit good jobs and, and went there, and when the gas industry was through with them, they threw them down like a dirty dish rag. And now they can't regain those good jobs. Had a couple of men in my church that end up backsliding because the gas industry kept them out of, out of church on Sunday and Monday night when we have church and they got weak and quit coming to church. What are you trying to say? What are you trying to say, Brother Blakely? I'm telling you that progress has to be controlled or progress can be damaging within itself. Now, I want to say this, and I, I want to be careful, and I want to walk softly in what I'm saying because I, I'm telling you, I feel like it needs to be said. But, you know, I rejoice with people that, that God has blessed your church. I, I'm telling you, God's blessed our church at God, and we rejoice about it. Brother Martin, I'm glad that, that Pentecost is not on the bad side of, of the tracks. I'm glad that God is blessing churches. I believe it's the will of God for churches to be blessed. And let me just tell you today, if you are in a church that is thriving and, and is moving forward and doing the work of God, you ought to rejoice. You ought to be excited about it. You ought to be happy about it. You ought to get behind your pastor and hold his hands up. And there ought not ever be a such thing as jealousy among us. Well, I'm still on my message today. There shouldn't be any kind of jealousy among us when God is, is blessing somebody and blessing with a move of God. But I want to say this. Don't get so caught up in your progression. Don't get so caught up in revival. Don't get so caught up in a move of God that you would become insensitive to your brothers and your sisters in other churches. You know, if we're not careful, we can get so caught up in the progress that we become insensitive to other churches. Brother Jones, thank you for that message that you preach. I'm telling you, every church will go through seasons. Every church is going to go through a famine from time to time. And be careful, lest when your church is having revival, and you see a church across town that is going through famine, that you would look at them and feel like, well, there's something wrong over there. Is anybody hear me preach today? There's something wrong over there. They're, they're, they're just not having it over there. Why don't you come over here where we're at, where it's popping? Hallelujah. You know what? That's the biggest trick of the devil. Let me tell you something, saints. Amen. One thing, don't pull on other people's saints. Amen. Just because you're having right revival, thank God. But keep your focus on those dope addicts. Keep your focus on those prostitutes. Keep your focus on people that's going to hell.
Because I'm going to tell you, it, it messes up the spiritual habitat in a church when their saints is uprooted and they lose singers and they lose service leaders and they lose people that, well, hallelujah. Because I'm telling you, the famine's going to come to everybody. The famine's going to come to everybody. Amen. I, I remember our church, brother, I'm telling you, it started out the first few, few years, brother Martin. It seemed like everything was popping in guy. It was nothing but revival. We were praying through Trinitarians. People were getting healed. I'm telling you, this looked like we were trouble free. But guess what? The tide changed. And famine come. And trouble come. And families left. And people backslid. Now, I know they don't backslide in California, but they backslide in God. Well, hallelujah. Trouble started happening. But thank God, thank God, there were some saints that were stable. There were some saints, Brother Martin, that come and held my hands up and said, Brother Blakely, we're with you through the thick and through the thin. We're with you no matter what. And guess what's happened? God help us. Amen. We've come through the storm and we've come through the famine and God has replenished our number and God has let a greater anointing of the Holy Ghost sweep through our congregation than what we've ever had. Oh, I want to tell you, I love this spiritual habitation. Let me tell you something. If your church is going through a famine, get closer to your pastor than you've ever got. Hold his hands up. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift up your hands and love the Lord. I'm fixing to quit. You can be seated. Give me just a minute. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, we need people that will preserve this habitat. You, you see famine coming to your church? Try to make up the difference. Well, hallelujah. Try to push a little harder in worship. Try to push a little harder in prayer. Try to give a little more offering. Ask God to bless your finances to pay a little more tithes to help your church. Brother, when I think of something trying to destroy this spiritual habitat that God has given me, there's something that rises up in me. Oh, I love this truth. This truth changed my life. This way, this way has been good to me. I remember as a young boy, as a young boy, I, I grew up without a grandfather. My grandfather was a United Pentecostal preacher, good man. He retired later, and he had a bait shop and a hot tamale kitchen. But he died when I was four or five years old. But my grandpa liked to fish, and he was a good fisherman. He was known to catch those big slab crappie. And I remember hearing all the stories of my grandpa taking my siblings, my I was the youngest of six kids, and it seemed like he got to take all of them but me. And I'd hear all those stories about his favorite sp fishing spot called Coldwater Lake. Hey, Amen. And I'd hear all these stories, and I'd wonder, well, what wonder what Coldwater Lake looks like. And so about 30 years ago, before the EPA was got so strong, my brother that's sitting back here today, he invited me to go on a fishing trip. There were three different boats of us. The fish were biting so good. He invited different ones. We all went over there. And, brother, I'm telling you, just every time you'd put that jig in the water, you'd get a bite and big old slab, nice, beautiful slab, crappie. I don't know if y'all know what crappie are. Yeah, well, good. There ain't no better eating than slab crappie. There ain't nothing more fun to catch than crappie. But we'd all caught our limit of crappie that day. And I was thinking, man, I was looking around. This is where my grandpa fished. 
I wonder did he fish by this tree. And I, I, wonder, I wonder how many he caught when he was there. Just, just different things was running through my mind. And I thought, man, I'm so glad to finally get to come to Coldwater Lake. Amen. Just to find out when we were leaving that a big factory across Interstate 40 called Maybelline, a makeup factory, they had a pipe bored under the freeway emptying sewage into Coldwater Lake. I, I can't tell you the feeling that I had to have to not be able to eat those crappie. Thank God we found out beforehand. But had to get rid of those crappie. They wasn't no good because man's progress had contaminated it. Man's progress had, had, had pumped sewage into my, our heirloom fishing hole. Now all we've got is a memory. Now all we've got is, is how it used to be at Coldwater Lake. Oh, God, have mercy. Don't let that happen in the apostolic ranks. Don't let that happen to my spiritual habitat. Oh, can I, can I just, you told me to take my liberty. I'm telling you today, I am so troubled. I'm so troubled at what, what man's progress and technology is pumping in to our apostolic churches. I'm so troubled about what Facebook and, and social networking is doing to our apostolic ranks. Well, I, I may as well go ahead and, and cover it all. I'm troubled about what apostolic forums are doing to saints and preachers. I said, I'm troubled about it. I'm troubled. I'm afraid it's affecting us. I'm afraid, Brother Martin, it's affecting our healings. I'm afraid it's affecting some of the move of God because God ain't going to share his habitat with a bunch of junk. Well, some of y'all are sitting on me tight tonight, but I'm preaching to you anyway. It's the truth anyway. Brother, I'm telling you, I don't understand why worldly lawyers can see how dangerous Facebook is, but apostolics can't see it. You know what I believe? I'm believing to, I believe I'm preaching to a bunch of people that love it. I believe I'm preaching to a bunch of people that want to keep this apostolic habitat. I believe I'm preaching to people that want to preserve it. Say, well, Brother Blakely, you're, you're radical. You're radical. You know what I'm finding out? You can be seated. I'm finding out all I'm doing, Brother Martin, is I'm preaching everything that the man of God told me to do. Same principles. But you know what I'm finding out? I'm standing in the same place, doing the same thing, becoming a radical. I'm not on a different road. I didn't get off the path. I read an article, and I'm closing. Believe it or not, I'm closing. I read an article about a young lady here in California several years ago. Lived in a tree two years. Two years to protect a redwood tree. Now, I'm going to tell you, to me, that, that seems just a little crazy. As beautiful as they are. You're blessed out here in California. As beautiful as they are, that just seems a little radical to me. But I'm going to tell you something. When you love something, when you love something, 
If you see anything getting close to it that's going to be destructive, <laughs> Brother Martin, when I think about my two little grandbabies and what all of this junk is trying to steal from Lily and Joe. Oh, there's something that rises up in me. You can call me a radical. You can call me whatever you want to call me. But I love this apostolic message. I love feeling what I feel when the Holy Ghost is moving. Just stand up. Stand up. I'm quitting. He Come on, come on, love him with me. Love him. Love him. Yeah, but it's progress. Oh, yeah, it's progress, but it's going to have to be managed. It's going to have to be controlled. You're going to have to let the preacher in your life help you control it. You're going to have to let the preacher in your life set some boundaries and help you with it. Oh, church, we got to bind together. We need unity. We need unity among churches. We need unity among the saints of God. We, we've got an apostolic heritage and an apostolic spiritual habitat that we must protect. Nineteen seventy-eight. The ESA closed, halted construction on the Teleco Dam on the Little Tennessee River because of a tiny fish called the snail darter. Snail darter. $78 million project closed down because of a little fish the size of a paperclip. Yeah, that, that is radical. That is kind of crazy to me. But I'm going to tell you something, brother, brother Martin. It is nice driving out by those redwoods and still able to see red. I'm not, I'm not putting my approval on tree hugging. They make me mad. I'm not pushing for the environmentalists, but I'll tell you what I am pushing for. I'm pushing for some stands. I'm pushing for some changes in the apostolic movement concerning all this stuff that's bringing us down. Do I have any takers today that says, hey, I love this apostolic habitat. I love the healing virtue of the Holy Ghost and the delivering power of God. If you're here today, if you're here today and you need healing in your body, why don't you step out right now in the aisle and just claim it in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's let the Holy Ghost surge through this place today. Let's let God move through this house today in Jesus' name.